Hello and welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're always so encouraged to know that God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send a message to lifechange at hopecityonline.net. Now, let's prepare our hearts for a powerful message out of God's Word. We've been working through this series called 56. And today we finish that up, right? So 56 has really taken our, our faith back to its roots and started from zero and has built its way all the way up. And at this point, you should have a pretty strong foundation of what your faith looks like, why you believe it, what Jesus did, what you did, what you did not do to deserve it. Um, all those things have been built and been put in place. And so today, we're going to take one more day and we're going to look at what you can do with it. What do you do about it? What does it mean for you? Because our faith is somewhat all-inclusive, right? We've been very general throughout the several past weeks. But today, we're going to make it about you, right? And so he asked me to come and share some thoughts I've been having lately, uh, some studying that I've been doing lately. Um, And so let me give you a little background really quick. But here's the deal. i got to hurry. i got to fly today. i got my timer running. I've got more content than I can cover today, right? And so when we get to the end, I'll just stop. I'll pray, and we'll get out of here. But there's a couple of things that I can't really share with you today. I can't tell you the background, how I came to this conclusion. I can't really give you all the scripture references. I can't give you all that backstory. So I need something from you today. I need a little bit of faith. I need you to just go with me for a couple of minutes. And then let's get together later. You can stop by the Resource Center. You can get my card. You get my uh, cell phone number. You can call me. You can text me. You can email me. I would love, love, love to answer all your questions, right? And so we got to start from somewhere. And so let me start here. I've spent a lot of time looking at personalities. I've taken a lot of tests from different companies, the DISC profile, Myers-Briggs. I've looked at Strength Finders. I've taken a test called the Four Switches, uh, which is through Incredible Advantage, which is a local company. A guy actually goes to our church, Todd Sivers. He sits in the back room. He's a brilliant guy. And so I've, I've looked a lot at how we're wired, the way we think, why we do what we do, the habits that we've put in place, all that kind of stuff, right? And it was brilliant. It works. It's accurate. If you've ever taken one of these, you answer about 60 questions, and they print out a binder about that thick of why you do what you do and the way you think. Uh, And it's humbling in most cases to look through that information. And so I kept coming back to this recurring question of where is God at in this? Because anything that is good and that works has to originate from him. And so where is his fingerprint? Where is his version of this test? As I look through scripture and as I pray and I study, what, Lord, is yours in this? And so I've came up with a few thoughts. I cannot share them all. I've already said it once, um, but I'll continue to echo that because I really want to spend more time with you and answer questions and give you the background. But I want to just start with four things, four personalities. And we're going to call these spiritual personalities, which is slightly different. Um, than your physical personality that you're used to talking about. But I I brought a chart with me. I brought a graphic with me. Uh, It's super simple, four colors, four words. Um, You can see on the right that you have evangelism, that dark blue category. you got servanthood on the bottom, which is the light blue. And in that teal, uh, the word discipleship, kind of hard to read, but that's discipleship on the left and fellowship on the top. I've spent a lot of time around a lot of different Christians, and I've noticed a lot of different characteristic traits patterns and the way that they think and how they got to where they are. And we've, we've taken these four terminologies and we put them on a chart. Now you can see the chart's just divided into fourths. 
Um, and there's different colors and certain personalities are close to each other, right? And we could dig into that, but we're not today. We don't have time for it. But your personalities, if you'll back up one chart, you can't give away my secrets just yet. You can't give them away. There we go. All right, awesome. So in those personalities, there's a lot of things that are really obvious, right? Like when you talk about evangelism, if you take a Christian who would fall into this category, there's some obvious things. They love, 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 love forgiveness and mercy, right? They want to tell you, tell you, tell you, tell you about mercy, forgiveness, what Jesus did for you. You had a debt. Debt was there. Debt eradicated. End of story, okay? This is usually the first thing that comes off their lips and the last thing that comes off their lips. Mercy in the name of Jesus. On the bottom, you see servanthood. This one's pretty obvious as well. These Christians love to serve people, specifically physically. Um, You know, they... They may not care so much about sitting you down and encouraging you, but they want to do something for you that maybe you couldn't do for yourself. And so that takes on a lot of different forms. That may be feeding the homeless. That may be rebuilding somebody's porch uh, that needs to be rebuilt. That may be putting out these chairs on Sunday morning, serving you coffee as you walk in, watching your kids and loving on your kids, playing in the band. There's tons of ways to physically serve the Lord, okay? So that one's pretty obvious. So discipleship. Uh, this one is maybe a little tricky for some people, but because uh, that's a big word and we don't use it a whole lot. But um, if you're familiar with the word, you can define this really easy. These people love to know what plan and structure God has put in their life. They want to look, and I'm looking at you, Debbie Keyford. They want to look at Scripture and they want to dig into it and see what has God planned for them. Right? Post cross, you know, the post salvation, post being introduced to the Lord. They want to know now what. What now is coming down the pipeline, all right? The last one, the one on the top, is fellowship. This one's, a, a, again, super churchy word. You may not be super familiar with it. Uh, fellowship simply means they want to spend time together. Relationships are really, really important to these Christians, all right? But specifically, healthy spiritual relationships, right? The life group model is what we use, and you're going to see a lot of people thrive in life groups, if they fall into this category, they want to know where you're at emotionally, where you're at physically, where you're at spiritually, and they want to invest into you. All right? They're all about time, right? Some of the characteristics of Sunday morning is that service is going to go a little bit longer, maybe two, three hours, right? We're going to have extra services on Sunday, services on Wednesday night. We're going to have specials on like Fridays, and we're just going to spend all this time together because that's important to them, right? So this is four personalities, somewhat easy to understand. Um, I want to help make this practical today, and so we're going to use some examples of people that you may know. Um, But these are your personalities, right? But what do you do about them? Like, okay, I think that way, great, but now what? I want to give you a tool that you can use with it, and this is what we're going to talk about as your spiritual gifting, right? I've read through Scripture, I've seen what Paul said about gifts, and I've, I've noticed several things. Number one, these are not the lim- you're not limited to what I list. There is more than just this, right? I've, I've seen that about Paul's teaching. The other thing I've seen is that he definitely wants you to possess all of them. He wants you to pursue all of them. He does not want you to stay in one area. He says that you should eagerly, eagerly pray and search for and ask for all the gifts, all right? And the other thing is, um, I don't really necessarily have a complete list of all the gifts, right? What I did is I just took what he wrote down, and I tried to assign them to the people I've seen and their personality, right? And so you can go ahead and go to that next slide. 
Now, that's a lot of words, and we do not have time to cover all of them today. And so what we're going to focus on today is kind of the cross. So from top to bottom, left to right, there's four words written on the outermost part of each of those lines. All right, and so you see the gift of encouragement. I don't know if you guys have spent a lot of time around the scriptures um, and studied that very closely, but the gift of encouragement falls into that area of fellowship. All right, I've known a lot of people in my life that um, that just do this so naturally, so well. Uh, I don't know if many of you guys know, but Lena Eubanks, she is um, our office manager here. She, if you've ever been to the office, you've met her. If you've ever picked up the phone and called the office, you've met her. Um, if you're in any of her 15 different life groups that she leads, you've met her, all right? And so if she opens her mouth to talk to you, unless she's just having a really, really bad day, she just encourages you. She tells you that you're capable, that you're smart, that you can do this, that you're special, that you're unique, right? Everybody, anybody who had a conversation with Lena know that, right? And so you start digging into why is that? Why is it that she just defaults to encouragement? And you look into her past, and you look into the way things used to be, right, before she knew the Lord, and you see this sensitivity. Now, sensitivity is not always a bad thing. Sensitivity can be a good thing. But in the context of today, I want to talk about it in the negative sense. All right, somebody who's extremely sensitive to what other people say, to their circumstances, to the way the world views them, to even their own voice, how they feel about themselves, right? What they say about themselves. Sensitivity can become very detrimental in their life, right? And so Christ sees them in their sensitivity. He sees them right where they are, and he starts to craft and to create a perfectly altered and perfectly fitting grace for that person. There's no rival for the grace for that person. No one shares that one specific implementation of grace. And he says to her, in this case, we're talking about Lena. He says to Lena, you are capable. You are beautiful. You are my daughter. You have a future. And I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And he starts to breathe encouragement into her life. But not only does he breathe it into her life as to encourage her, but he says, I've actually got something special picked out for you. You, my child, will go forth from now and encourage the world. You will carry my voice with you as you go. Now, she can choose to live in the old creation, right? We all have bad days. We can all kind of submit to sin that we're, we're kind of prone to want to fall over. But if, if she's on point, if she's having a good day, it's going to come out as encouragement. Here's what you got to notice is that that is just normal for her. She doesn't know any different, Right? Until we talk about it, of course. But she doesn't know any different. This is just normal. This is just everyday life for her, right? All Christians should think this way. All Christians should encourage this way. Doesn't everyone think that the most fundamental, important part about our faith is the relationship, the intimacy that we have with the Lord and the way he makes you feel? All right, let's move on. So evangelism is the word I'm struggling over. You can see the word mercy written right here. Again, I want to give you an example. This is your pastor, Robbie. All right? If you Somebody laughed already. If anyone has ever had a conversation with Pastor Robbie, this boy is going to, as quickly as he can, get to the topic of mercy. Matter of fact, he secretly kind of wants you to fail more so that he can forgive you more. Right? Two weeks ago, he started his sermon by saying, we're going to talk about my favorite topic in the whole Bible. You know what word came out of his mouth? Mercy. Right? He wants it. 
He loves it. He desires it. It is the most fundamental part of his faith. And so how do you figure that out? Like, where did that come from? Why is that there? You look into Robbie's past, and you see a similar um, characteristic of openness. Again, openness in and of itself is not bad, right? Just like sensitivity wasn't bad. But openness can go poorly for you, right? Whenever anything and everything that comes down the road perks your interest, and you follow it, and you try it out, and you sample it, and you try to work it into your daily routine, what happens? You make mistakes. Some of those things weren't good. Some of those things weren't adequate. Some of those things were bad choices. What happens when you have bad choices? You accrue debt, right? And if it is your pattern to just be open to anything and everything that comes along, you're going to find yourself with pretty big debt total. But then Jesus shows up on the scene and says, I can redeem that too. I got a special plan for that. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to forgive it. You had a debt, debt gone, right? You owed me this, 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 and this, and no longer do you owe me anything. And Robbie's sitting there, and he's like, but how? Like, how does that work, God? How do you just forgive me? What is that? It's just gone? That's it? It's just gone? But nevertheless, God plants it not just in his heart to forgive him, but he plants the seed of mercy and forgiveness in his life. And just like Lena, Robbie starts to generate a spiritual personality where he believes that mercy is just normal. Doesn't everybody love mercy as much as I love mercy? Doesn't everybody want to just openly forgive like I forgive? Doesn't everyone think that literally the most important thing about our faith is that we had a debt and now the debt is gone? As we move on, we have servanthood. This one, I don't know if you can read it. It's kind of hard to read on this TV. The word service is written right above the word servanthood. Uh, This one, this gift here is for obvious reasons. The gift of service is such an interesting gift. I physically want to do for you what you can't do for yourself, or maybe you don't have time to do for yourself, or maybe you just don't think you're capable enough to do for yourself, but I want to do it for you, right? And so again, I want to give you an example. Uh, Chad Maynard, does everybody know Chad? He is um, our facilities pastor here, and that is, uh, that is not enough of a title for what this boy pulls off, right? He is here. You're sitting in a chair because he made it happen, right? We're in a room right now because he made it happen. We have curtains on the wall. We have a church that functions in regards to our finances. We have coffee at the front. We have all these physical attributes to our church in place, not because I or Robbie did anything about it, but because Chad stepped up and said, I will make it happen, There's a physical need, I can meet that, right? And this goes past just what he does on Sunday. If you ever get the boy on the phone and and say, hey, man, I got a problem at my house. My grass isn't growing like I want it to. He's got 10 things you could do. May even offer to help you do it, right? That's just the way he thinks. I want to do something for you that maybe you couldn't do for yourself. And so, again, you ask the question, why? Where does that come from? Why does he naturally default to that? Again, you look into the past and you see a characteristic that again, in and of itself, isn't poor, but this characteristic of drivenness, just this drive, again, can go out of hand. You can take it too far. It can create problems. And if anyone knows Chad, the boy is driven. He wakes up this morning. He figures out the goal. Not really. Actually, the goal was set weeks ago. He, he's already got the goal in place, but now's the day. And he will go full steam ahead to see that goal accomplished. And sometimes that goes poorly. Sometimes you step over people to get that goal accomplished. Sometimes you step on people to get that goal accomplished, right? 
And so the Lord sees him and says, I've got a plan for that too. I've got a special version of grace for that too. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to plant in you, because of how I served you, Chad, I'm going to plant in you a heart to serve other people. I'm going to tweak that just a little bit. The drive will stay there, but the drive will now become a drive for my people, for my family, for my kingdom. And so you see this interesting shift just in his life, just like everyone's life, that he becomes just incredibly driven to service for other people. And again, he doesn't know that he's unique or gifted in some special way. He thinks it's normal, right? When he gets to the church office, we've had this conversation before, he's wanting to know why everyone else hasn't been there for the past three hours getting their work done, right? How does this not just come naturally to you people? Like, let's get here early. Let's get the job done. We're going to work as hard as we can all day, and we'll leave when the job is done, right? And so again, it, it seems normal to him, and his framework of faith is built around that, But all the while, he's the only version of him there is. Let's keep moving. Discipleship, I don't know if you can read it, but the word is teaching. The gift of teaching falls in here. Uh, This is me, for the record. Uh, This is also uh, Nicole, our children's director. She falls in this category with me. Um, But when you talk about discipleship and you see the gift of teaching, you ask the same series of questions. Where does that come from? Why is that there? What in your past led you to this point? And so for me, it was structured. Structure, structure, structure. I'm not necessarily OCD in the sense that I want things perfectly in their place and clean and proper and square. Um, My desk is really messy. My bedroom is really messy. My closet is really messy. But it's a very specific mess. Don't touch my mess. I can go to my desk and the papers are this high and they're all spread out. And you can say, Samuel, you're the most disorganized person I know. And I say, okay, what are you looking for? And they say, well, I need that receipt I gave you six months ago. And I'll go and I'll dig it out right there it is. I knew exactly where it was the whole time. I have a ton of structure in my life, even though it may not be that obvious when you first get to know me. So structure in and of itself, just like all the other gifts, are not bad, right? In and of itself, it's not bad to have good structure in your life, but it can get out of hand. I've put together a plan for my life, a way to live it, a way to succeed at what I want. And God says, yeah, I can, I can redeem that too. I'm capable to fix that. Samuel, your plan's okay. It's going to get you down the road a little ways. But would you like to take a look at my plan? Would you like to take a look at my train of thought? Would you like to take a look at where I think your life could go, the potential that it could turn into? And he starts to show me through scripture, through prayer, through time spent with friends, through devotion, that his plan is so much better. And it becomes the thing that I'm just, I just hang on to. I want to know more. I cannot know enough about God's plan for my life. And so you see, naturally, I fall in to this discipleship, read, read, study, study, study. But it's not just that he shows me his plan, but he gives me the ability to tell you his plan, to be a a dispensary, to be a vessel, to be a well of this is how you could live your life if you so choose. right? Last one, fellowship. You see encouragement. We talked about Lena. Oh, no, we already did her. Awesome, awesome. We're moving ahead. I was worried that I was getting out of time here. All right, so you see these four. There's more on the chart. You can be a combination of two, and I get that. That um, that may be somewhat confusing. You don't have a ton of context. Again, I want to spend more time with you. Please, please call me. I would love to go over the rest. But let's just stay where we are with the four for right now. I want to ask you a couple questions. Where do you think you are? As I was describing those four pastors, 
you kind of heard, you maybe know them. Where do you think you are? What has happened in your past? What habits, what train of thought led you to where you are? Do you know that you're significant, that you're unique? Do you know that the grace given to you was not given to anyone else? Paul said that the gifts, the spiritual gifts, were given according to the grace given to you. As to say that grace is not the same for everybody, which is uh, somewhat heretical. That could be a little scary to say for some people. I'm not trying to take away from grace. I'm trying to add to grace. Grace is not just a blanket statement that all is forgiven. Grace is a perfectly tailored, unique thing to you and to me. No one shares what I was given. That is an intimacy that is only between me and God, what he did for me. And so do you know that? Do you know that you're significant? Do you know that the way you think is not normal, is special? Not everybody thinks that way. And the obvious conclusion is that you now have a purpose because you only carry that. There is no one who carries the same talent that you do, not least in the way that you do it. Tougher question. Find someone that you have written off and put them on this chart somewhere. I'll give you a minute. This one's a tough one. Give me a list of people that have offended you. Uh, And here's a classic statement. This will help you narrow down who you're looking for. That person's a Christian, but they need some help. They need, to, they need to know a few extra things. Like, they're pretty close, but they're really missing it over here, over here, and over here. I love the boy. I'm trying to pull that boy along, but he's missing it. That's the person I'm looking for right now. Where do you think they're at on this chart? And while you guys are processing that, I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, so, Pastor Robbie, uh, if we wanted to place him, I told you he was in the evangelism category, but I want to put him in the bottom right-hand corner. You see leadership right there. I think he's a great leader. Uh, I am not so much hard left on the discipleship as I am up in the upper left-hand corner, uh, which you see that dangerous P word right there that is uh, ill-defined and somewhat difficult for people to understand. But I'm kind of in the opposite corner as him. Most people don't know this about us, but man, that boy don't get along. We just don't. Like, just about every topic that comes up, he goes that way and I go this way. All right? The knee-jerk reaction is typically polar opposite between me and him. And here's what's crazy about it. God won't let me leave, right? We've been together for eight years this somewhere in that neighborhood. And all along this way, every opportunity that came up to leave, God would say, no, you don't. No, here. And he would give me a direct message that says, nope, you're staying, He would tell Robbie the same thing. Robbie's had tons of opportunity to find him a worship leader that lives down here in this lower right-hand corner with him. He's given me opportunities to go look for a pastor who lives in the top top left-hand corner for me. Tons of opportunities. But there's this magical thing that happens when you lock us in a room after all the yelling and kicking and screaming. Something comes out of it that would not have came out of it had he and I not been in the room. And what we see here is that if I'm top left-hand corner and he's bottom right-hand corner, and we refuse to leave the room, the only direction we can go is in. Does that make sense? Now, if I choose to leave the room, I can, I can run, find my corner, find the pastor who works in my corner, and I'd be so much happier. 
but we wouldn't get near as much done. Because if you haven't figured it out by now, Jesus is at the center of this chart. Jesus was able to walk into a room, talk to somebody like me the way I needed to be spoken to, and Robbie would step up behind him and ask him a question, and he could just turn and speak that language too. He didn't struggle to work in and out of any of these personalities. He designed us this way. It was on purpose. And so our goal as Christians is to remember what Paul said, to achieve all the gifts. If I'm in the top left-hand corner and I need to achieve a gift, the easiest way to do it is to go to the center. I can run around the edge if I need to, but that's not efficient. Heading toward the center, heading towards Jesus is where we need to head. Okay? I want to uh, come back to that question. Where is someone that you have written off? Where do you think they are? Where do you think you are? Spend some time there. I want to read a passage of scripture to you. Um, I can't, again, we talked about it before. I couldn't give you a ton of background. James really sets up the tension between all these characteristics really clearly. And I want to read to you what he has to say. After he set up all the tension between all of those different sides, he says this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Do they come from your desires that battle within your members? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you do ask, you don't receive it because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Pull that chart back up for me, Tim. So if Robbie's in the lower right-hand corner and he loves evangelism, he loves servanthood, and he asked the Lord for disciples that love to spend time together, top left-hand corner, why would God give him that? Because if he did, Robbie could use that on his own pleasures. He could support his own agenda. And so when, when Robbie's in this corner and he asks for things on that upper left-hand corner, he's got to be willing to go get them. He's got to be willing to be gifted that way, to submit to that. It's hard it's on the opposite side. Typically, the opposite side is kind of difficult for us. He needs me. That was my job, right? When I'm in that upper left-hand corner, and I'm just alone with the Lord, and I'm listening, and I say, Father, please send me new people. Please send me people who have a heart to serve other people. He's not sending that, because if he did, I would spend it on my pleasure, right? And so he says, no, 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 you got to be willing to go down there. You got to go down there and have a conversation, you got to have a friend. you got to have a confidant. You have to have another member of the body of Christ with you. What is the source of your quarrels? What is the source of your fights? If you haven't figured it out, this is a call for unity. This is hard. This is really hard. It is a lot easier to just stay where you are. We see this happen all the time. Churches show up all around this map. Uh, and I'm not speaking ill of anyone. I'm, I'm included in this conversation. I know this is somewhat pessimistic, but if, if we're down here in the lower right-hand corner as Hope City, you can just start spinning around this wheel and just plant different names of different churches all the way around this thing, right? And one reason why that is is because it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to move two miles down the road and do it different, right? Robbie will say something about mercy and how great it is, and I'm like, yeah, but you got to do something about it. It's not just mercy, bro. you got to do something about it. And I get angry, and I say, man, i got to find me a church where they talk about holiness, where they talk about the way you live your life. And I go down the road, and I find that. I may even go down the road and start that church. 
Just like when Robbie's in that other church where they're sitting there talking about this is the way you live your life. If you don't have works to prove your faith, then you have no faith. And he's like, yeah, but that ain't quite how it works. No pun intended. And so you can see tension starting to develop. What is the source of your quarrels? What is the source of your fights? Is it your own desire? So there's two things you need to take away today. You need to know that you're unique. That the way that you think the area that you are on this chart is on purpose. That is a gift given to you. And you were called to use that gift. When you work that gift, fruit, it, it bears from it. This is why we can be so separate from one another but still have success. I, I quoted that. I shouldn't have. It's real success. Like, if I'm in my upper left-hand corner, good things will happen. That's the crazy thing about this chart. Everything on it is good. There is nothing bad on this chart. When you operate in the new creation that Christ has made you into, it is good. Good things will come from it. I'm simply saying I want to be more efficient. That's all I'm saying. We can stay in our corners and be efficient, but we will never be like overwhelmingly just knocking down walls in the name of Jesus. Okay? It takes all of us to do it. Now, while it takes all of us to do it, we're also personally trying to gain more. We're trying to understand more, to practice more, to receive more, right? And there's ways that the scripture talks about how to do that. But the second thing you need to hear today is that the Christian that irritates you the most, that you disagree with, is on purpose. <laughs> he's, he's there on purpose, just like you are. His gifting is on purpose. His train of thought is on purpose. You typically aren't very receptive to it. You'll put up a kind of a road stop. But if you will open your mind to it, you will start to see things come out of it that are new, that you've never thought of before. And so the challenge today is to, number one, know that you're unique and that you have special giftings, and you can walk in those giftings. If your gift is encouragement, know that every time you open your mouth and you speak into someone's life, that is a gift from God. And you are functioning as your part in the body of Christ. If your gift is teaching... That's worship too. Every time I open my mouth to help someone to move in any direction, that is me functioning in the body of Christ. Every time Chad hauls out a chair, it's not just hauling out a chair. He's functioning in the body of Christ. Every time Robbie stands up here and tells you that you're forgiven, and he literally pleads and cries the blood of Christ over your life for you to receive it, he's functioning in his body of Christ. So the second takeaway is for us to tackle that. That is hard. That is really, really hard. It is hard to be on one side of this chart and receive the other side, whichever side that you have the most problem with. Now, I'm hard-headed. Robbie's hard-headed. And so maybe that's why we're so friction-oriented. There's people in this room, though, that are just like, yeah, whatever, God, whatever you need. I'll go tackle that. I'll go down to that area and I'll work there. And so this gets kind of complex. I've kept it way too simple. It needs to be way more complex than it is today. Um, but we have an option. We can fight against it or we can receive it. We can walk into it with open arms, right? I applaud you who walk into it with open arms and I want to be like you. And so wherever you're at, you find me, lay your hands on me, pray for me. I need that gift, right? But here's the deal. I want to pray for us. We're going to send this out, this graphic out to your life group leaders. 
plug for life groups. If you're not in a life group, you won't get this email, right? So be in a life group this week. We're going to talk about it. We're going to dig into this more. And um, hopefully a lot of you um, are interested in knowing more, and we can have that conversation. I want to pray for us today, and then we're going to go forward from here. Father God, I give you glory, honor, and praise. God, we will not be a church that is one-sided. Even though that would produce its own fruit, Lord. We're not interested in spreading 100 seed and reaping 200 from it, Lord. We're interested in spreading thousands of seed. And seeing millions come out of it. And so we're not going to take the easy road and just stay where we are. But we're going to walk head on into the friction that is found in your body of Christ. Without diversity, there is no need for unity. And so this morning, we will become unified We'll find that brother or sister that we struggle to understand, and we will ask them, what is your heart? Share it with me. What makes you tick? And side by side, hand by hand, we will walk into this community, into this world, and we'll see it change in your name at a rate that we haven't seen since the first century. Because as we enter the center of this chart, we look more like Christ than we've ever had before. And we carry that name and its power. And so this morning, we lay down our arms and we bind together as a church. We love each other. We support each other. And we're willing to get past the fighting, Lord. We ask for what we don't have because of wrong motives, but those motives change today, Lord. We love you. In the name of Jesus. Amen.